0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, if you could open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. If you don't have one, the ushers are going to come around and give this to you to make your own. If you have your own, please bring it, because we want you to mark up your own Bible. I mean, You guys know you can do that, right? Like, it's not, God doesn't get upset when you actually mark up your Bible, because it's, you're studying, you're trying to get in the Word, so it's, it's not bad. If that bothers you, you can have two Bibles. You mark up one, and you're, oh, I can't touch that Bible. So I have that over there. So we have been talking about control, and um, we're going to talk about that again this morning. We try to look at it all different angles. Um, this morning... I want to talk about our posture, um, posturizing our heart, our physical bodies, and how they also play into control. And so uh, we had an experience with a bunch of us. We were in Nicaragua together, and we were surfing together, and um, I was out in conditions that I probably shouldn't have been in. Um, The waves weren't huge, huge, but they were breaking over this really uh, shallow sandbar and when the sets came in, they were a few feet overhead. And it was one of those situations where you're like, if, if I go down, how far is the hospital? Like, that's the kind of situation it was. And they'd taken us out in a boat far away. And, but your courage begins to grow as you're there longer and longer. And as your friends are watching you, your courage grows. And so this one set came in, which was one of the bigger sets. And it's one of those moments where I wasn't really thinking. And I said, I'm going. Mainly because I knew people were on the inside looking, including Josh Smith. And so I took off and when I, um, uh, I'm goofy foot, so I pulled in and it was huge. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make it out of this. I'm going to get killed. It's, it's closing out, which means the whole wave's going to fold over and you won't, you won't see the light of day. And so I pulled in like this and I wanted to look cool, right? Because like I said, my friends were on the inside, they were looking. So I pulled around, I was like, whoa, oh, I put my arms out like this. And I looked and as it was folding over, you know, I, I, in, you know, so it looked good, right? And as I kept going, and I'm looking down the line, I was like, wait a minute, I'm still moving in this thing. And I started getting kind of all excited, so I started pumping, and I'm like, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it. And then I started getting scared going, what if I don't make it? I've gone so far. And as it started to, like, pinch, 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 and then I came out. I was like, oh, and I looked, and there was Josh Smith, and he's like, yeah! And he saw the whole thing, and I was so excited, and it was... Very natural. I had no plan. I just shot my arms up in the air like this. Ah! And I looked up. And then I looked on the beach, and there was a photographer that was there with us. And he goes, oh, I got it. I was like, oh, really? And so I'm all excited thinking, the wave of my life, and he got it on film. He took the pictures the whole way. What he meant to say was, I just got the very end. Because he didn't get anything else. So after the wave shrunk, and da 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 and then it shows me, and so here's the picture of me throwing my arms up in the air. <laughs> see, it's not nearly as impressive, is it, either. But it was. It was like, and you know what? That was completely automatic, meaning I didn't plan on throwing my arms up. I didn't even plan on making it out of that wave, and it was natural. And so when my kids see it or other people, they mock it because, well, it looks ridiculous, right? When you celebrate, sometimes it looks ridiculous, Um but this is a very natural response. For example, when this woman right here won the Boston Marathon, nobody's like, oh, nobody laughs at her, like, oh, isn't that awesome, right? Now, this pose is natural. What I mean by that is people that study body language say that even blind people who have been blind since birth, there's so many different postures that we take, and this is one of them, your arms up, your chin lifted is a sign of, of success, victory, excitement, joy and so she didn't plan this she didn't say well if I finish then I'm gonna go like this just like this guy who won the spelling bee didn't plan ahead of time to do this it was just natural he's like yeah because that's what we do that's the the natural overflow response but um, your posture is very important in terms well this is how C.S. Lewis said it C.S. Lewis who wrote Screwtape's letters um, which is uh, a very unique book, which is exhausting to read, and he said it was even more exhausting for him to write because he's writing from the perspective of a greater demon to a lesser demon, teaching this other demon on how to mess people up. Kind of a bummer, huh? And he said writing it was exhausting to think that evil, but one of the things that the greater demon said in this was, their bodies affect their souls. Think about that. Our bodies affect our souls. Your posture affects your souls. And I'll give you an example of that. Okay, so I'm going to divide the room in half. Okay? And um, this half over here, in honor of Reuben being here, you are going to do the power posture. Okay, so if you could put that slide up. You on this side, so in the middle right here, you're going to cut you in half. You need to choose one of these poses to do. Okay? So do you have your, your decision made? You might want to practice it. So middle here over I ain't joking. This is for real. You too, Veronica. All right, so figure out which pose you're going to. You can do this one in your seat like that. Or you can do the one where you put the arm next to you. If the person's next to you, they know why. It doesn't mean you're trying to get fresh with them. So choose one of those. Okay, that's your power pose, right? Okay, this side, you are choosing the low power poses, okay? All right? So you can lean over like this or, you know, bring your your legs in. You're, You're kind of like protecting yourself. You're really, you're tight like this, okay? So over here, have you chosen? Okay. Now, notice the feet, they're crossed down here. It's not like this, like, whatever. Like, this is the I'm relaxed, I'm drinking coffee pose, right, with the legs. This is the, so imagine you're in an interview and you see you're you're doing this, you're you're in trouble, right? Um, Or if you're like, "Ah, ah," and you have your head forward. Okay. So when I tell you I want you to, both sides, get into this pose. Okay. We're not going to hold it too long. For the actual study that they did, it was two minutes. We're not going to go nearly that long. It'll just be a few seconds. But I want you to get in the poses. Ready? Go. Now, if you were to stay in that pose, if you were to stay in this pose for two minutes, those of you over on this side, male and female, your testosterone, your hormones would actually go up by twenty percent. Okay. So if you were to hold this pose and you're in an interview or whatever, your confidence grows. You'd actually feel more confident to gamble. You'd be like, yeah, I'd probably win. You'd feel more confident of winning. And your cortisol, which is the stress, like when you get stressed, your cortisol goes up, it would go down. So you'd be more mellow, more, you'd be more in control in that pose. Not for you guys. Okay, you can stop the pose. Um, for those of you over here, if you were to hold that pose, <laughs> some of you just went right to power pose. <gasps> oh. <coughs> for those of you on this side, um, your cortisol would actually go up. So when you're in this position, the stress level goes up. And your testosterone goes down. Some of the girls are going, Oh, great, I don't want testosterone. No, you need that. You need that hormone. And so that would go down. And that's, that's, a pow- that's the, the strength, that's confidence, that would go down. Because your body does affect your soul, it affects your whole physiology. And that's important to think of because when that last song, we had a song in that list, and I didn't uh, ask Jaren Hoku to choose that song, but there was a song where it said, I raise my hands. Right? How many of you thought, maybe I should raise my hands. Just raise your hand right now. Be confident. Don't care what anyone around you is thinking. How many of you thought I should raise my hand? Okay, you don't have to, right? Nobody did. (laughs) I was in the back. I wasn't thinking that song was coming. I looked. I went, not one person raised their hand. Or not anybody I could see. Why? Because we care what everybody else around us thinks. And so we will limit our postures. Sometimes, naturally, there was a few weeks back where, um, uh, Tyler was leading this one song, and I just, I, I wanted to raise my hands, and this is what was going on in my head, because I was sitting over here, and I'm like, well, if I stand and raise my hands, then everyone else is going, oh, well, the lead pastor's standing up and raising, that. that means I'm supposed to do that, and I don't want them to have to do it if they don't want to, and then, but I want to, so should I go to the back, and if I go to the back, is that going to distract people, and then if I go to the back and I raise my hands, what if nobody else raises their hands, and then I've had other times where everybody stands up, and I'm like, I don't, I, everybody's standing up, so does that mean I'm supposed to stand up? Because I don't want to stand up. I kind of want to stay seated. I want to worship, but everyone else stand up. If I don't stand up, then anything I don't really love God. You have the same stuff going through your mind, don't you? We come into this room and we come to worship God, but what we really end up doing is wondering what everybody else is doing. And what do they think about what we're doing? We're not set free. And yet there's those moments, like when you win a race, or, or, or these moments of joy, or these moments of being humbled, where you don't have to think. You just react. But even when we think, and and I want to include this too, we need to choose our posture. Because when I was in the back and that song came up and nobody could see me and I saw that song, I was like, I should raise my hand. And when I raised my arms and I started, I actually was involved in that being a prayer and it wasn't just some song that they were singing that I was listening to or some song that they were singing and I was singing, but I wasn't really there. Like, I could sense my soul being affected, and I was worshiping God at that moment. More so than I was when my arms weren't raised. And I didn't feel like doing it. In fact, I was prompted by the song. And as a person that doesn't like authority, I kind of want to go in the opposite direction. I'm like, oh, you're going to make me raise my hands by putting that? Oh, watch this. Uh Uh-oh, power pose, take this. Like, that's what happens inside of us. But before the Lord, it's different. But we have to make a choice, because it's not always going to be spontaneous. A lot of times it's a decision you have to make. And so what I want us to do now is look at Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 27. Now, when we were going through Luke chapter 7, we saw this woman who was uh, a prostitute. And she got this amazing courage to charge into this Pharisee's house. Because she knew it wasn't his property, it was now holy ground. And she comes in, in the midst of where she's not wanted, and I... And I noticed her posture. I noticed that she went right to his feet, Jesus' feet. And then um, that week, uh, I just wanted to keep reading. I, I didn't plan on teaching on this today. But as I kept reading through Luke, I kept noticing these different body positions. And the, way, the ways that people, the, the way their bodies moved when they were in Jesus' presence. And so we have uh, this demoniac and um, he ends up at Jesus' feet. We're going to look at that here shortly. We see uh, Jairus, this leader. He's, He's a man of authority, and yet he chooses to take a lower position below Jesus. And then we see this woman who has been bleeding for years, and she touches Jesus, and she's healed, and Jesus says, who touched me? And then she's like, oh. And so she comes out, and then she gets down on her knees in front of Jesus in this position of humility before him. And you just see this continually happen over and over again because that's what happens when people realize they're in the presence of God. This situation that we're about to look at, okay, so we're here in Luke 27, and the way this is done, and this is what happens in scriptures sometimes, they'll put things out of order to get a point across. And so, and it's obvious when you read it, you're like, wait, that happened earlier. Why didn't you tell me that earlier? Because you said it happened earlier, but you put it later in the story. Why didn't you say? Because it gets a point across. Well, I'm gonna change the order this morning. It's the way scripture said it happened, but I'm gonna present it differently because I want us to look at the posture. And so Jesus has just now, they're on the lake, there's a storm, and the disciples are freaking out. Wake up, wake up, we're gonna die. And he calms the storm. And then they arrive on the shore. And so they arrive on this shore, and they pull up in their boat, and when they pull up, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but have you ever seen someone naked where someone's not supposed to be naked? I know you didn't see that one coming because you can read scripture sometimes and you miss this. You're like, oh, okay, yes, yeah, a man with no clothes. No, naked. Sounds different when you say it that way, right? So they arrive on this shore and there's a naked dude, okay? He's not just naked. His, his, it says that his, he's stained with dirt. He's so dirty. And not only is he stained with dirt, but he's been out in the sun because he hasn't had any home for quite some time. So he's been naked and without any home for quite some time, and he's out of his mind, his hair's all matted, and as they get off, he charges them. Now, I'm pretty sure you haven't had this moment where you've had someone naked running at you full bore, but that's what happens to them. This guy, he's, he's charging the disciples and Jesus. So what posture do you think the disciples took? They didn't have to think. They didn't say, hey, what should we do? I don't know. There's a naked guy. You don't even have to, you don't, there's no discussing. There's no talking. It's like this. Someone went like this. Some of them probably went like this and just started running. Some of them probably got behind Jesus. Someone probably took Jesus and pushed him up in front. I don't know what their posture was, but it was one that was of protection. Because when, when we try to teach our kids how to take an athletic pose, like with whatever they're doing, we pretend like we're going to attack them. And as soon as you run towards them, they go like this because that's the posture you take. And so this man charges them. And when he charges them, you have to notice, too, that he, it says that he has these scars around his wrists and his ankles because he's out in the middle of nowhere, but he was chained because he was so wild and so out of control and so dangerous. They tried to um, make him captive. And so he had these manacles around himself, and yet he broke free somehow. And not only that, but in the breaking free um, and just the rubbing constantly of the metal or the leather or whatever it was they used, it, had, it caused it to be raw and scabbed. And if, if you've ever worked um, in the communities where people live on the streets, you don't heal very quickly. And so there must have been pus and, and, and all kinds of smells. You need to know this. I know this is the kind of thing you want. Let's just make it nice and clean. No, no, no. This guy's lived out on his own, naked, so he's not like, hey, I just really just want to be naked. That's not the, what's happening here. And so there's all kinds of smells, because he's probably not, oh, I need to go to the bathroom somewhere. Where should I go? I need to clean up. There's no cleaning up here, including all of the infections. are all, so all those smells are happening, and you need to know that as you see this situation, and you'll see why here shortly. And so the, these demons had seized this man, because he was demon-possessed. It says, many times it had seized him, and even though he was kept a prisoner, his hands and feet were tied with chains. He would break the chains and be driven by the demon out into the desert. So he's out in the middle of nowhere, away from everybody else, on purpose. And we've talked about this before. If you're separated from other people, that's not a good thing. And this man is separated from everyone else. And he's also where pigs are. So he's out in the cemetery area and he's an area of pigs which is the most unholy of places for anyone that's jewish because you don't hang out in cemeteries and you don't hang out near pigs and this man is out there in this condition and when he comes out it says that jesus immediately addresses the demons inside and says you're going to be leaving you're going to be out of here and that's the order everything happens in. okay but now let's um let's catch up and see what happens here so if you go to the next slide so the people went out to see what had happened. Now there's stuff that happens before that. Because this is what happens just before this. What happens, and you can see, if you have your Bibles open, you'll see it's all right there. I wanted to leave this part out because I didn't want to get bogged down in how he did it. But he, he is talking to the demons and they fall at his feet. The demons take the posture. When they realize who he is, they're charging. Uh-oh, this is Jesus. And then they take this posture on their knees and say, you know what? Don't send us to the abyss. Instead, send us into those pigs. Very unique question. I don't quite understand it. We're not going to get caught up in that. But for some reason, they ask for mercy to be thrown into pigs. I don't know why that's even better. But Jesus says, who are you? We are legion. We are mob. We are many. That's not good. So this man is filled with not just one demon, but many. And so Jesus casts them out into the pigs. And then the pigs decide to go and run off the cliff and kill themselves. And so the shepherds of the pigs, by the way, I didn't know there were shepherds of pigs. Did you guys know that? But there are people watching over these pigs, and they see this happen, and they run into town because they're out in the middle of nowhere. So they run into town, and then they return with other people from town. So they've told the people in town, hey, there was this man, this guy came, cast out the demons, and then he was in his right mind. And then the pigs, and they were probably more focused on the pigs, the pigs came and killed themselves, all of our pigs, all of our livelihood, you got to come see this. And so the town, many of the town comes out. The people went out to see. Where'd they go? They came out into the cemetery. People went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, and I want you to notice their posture, when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, and this man was sitting at the feet of Jesus he was clothed and in his right mind and they were all afraid. Why are they afraid? What happened here? So they ha- the, man had to go, the, the men that had, were watching over the pigs had to go into town and then they come back. So there's a period of time there. And what struck me, even more so than the people that came back out was this man was now sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he's clothed. Do you think he had like his own little cave and he had his like dresser? And he's like, well now everything's changed, I better go put on some clothes. Where'd they come from? And if you've seen Jesus, he never tells people they need to go get cleaned up. It's the most, he'll send them sometimes to the priests to have this ceremonial cleaning, but not like, hey dude, okay, now that your life's changed, you need to go take a bath. Or hey, you know what, you need to do this. You it, it, it's, it's the same approach that we take here at church. Come as you are. Because that's the way Jesus said. And this man, in this demoniac position, came to Jesus as he was, and yet, when they leave, they come back, he's seated at the feet of Jesus, and now he's clothed. So who made him get dressed? Himself. He made a decision. He made a conscious, controlled decision. I think it's now time to put on some clothes. I think it's now time to live differently. Do you think he had his hair all crazy? I mean, he's right next to the water. My guess is he probably went, I think it's time to go get clean. He didn't go, I'm gonna go get baptized right now. He just went into the water like, that's my, that's my old life, what the heck happened? I don't... And he goes out in the water, most likely, And he probably cleans his hair out a little bit. And then all the dirt that had been accumulating and all the sickness that's on him is now changing because he goes out and comes back differently. And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then everybody shows up. Now this man is looking at all of these people that he's known before. And in his understanding, he's like, gotta be embarrassed, right? I mean, for the past few years, he's been cruising naked out in the cemetery. He has willingly separated from them to be away from them, and they've wanted him away. I mean, think of it when you walk into a room and you just kind of feel like you don't belong, or you feel like, ah, and you take one of these kind of poses because you feel like you're not in a power, power position. So you, you go like this, because that's what you do. Did you know that? When you walk into a room where you, you kind of shrink down. I had a friend telling me about... Um, a good friend of his, a pastor actually, who was in this room and these other people were there and he said it was really weird. His body just kind of shrunk down and he got quiet and he didn't say anything. So this man who was formerly just filled with these demons is now in his right mind. He's clothed. He looks good, but he doesn't feel the same probably because he's human. And he knows what they're all thinking. We all know what they're thinking. And when they come, that would be a perfect opportunity for him to, to kind of leave and get away from Jesus, like this guy's holy and they know I shouldn't be here and, uh, and he, he could probably easily move away and go, hey guys, sorry about the past couple years, a little bit rough for me, but doesn't even address them. He just stays at the feet of Jesus. And do you know what these people ask of Jesus when they see this man? You'd think they'd be all excited, right? Like, yeah, look what they did with him. Imagine what they could do with me with my brother, with my sister, with my aunt. No, they ask him to leave. Let that sink in for a second. They ask Jesus, who has just come and completely transformed this man's life, they ask him to leave because they're afraid. And as that sinks into me, I'm a little bit blown away. This man who is now at the feet of Jesus, who is taking the position of a student, because when you sit at someone's feet at this time, that means you are taking the position of a student. And so this man who was formerly something else is now choosing to be a student of Jesus. Hey, I don't know who you are completely or what you're about, but I wanna learn and I wanna listen to you. I know you're some kind of a rabbi. I'm at your feet. Teach me. I need to learn. Because when I went on my own, we all saw what happened there. I'm with you now. And all these people should be excited about that, but they're not. And think of this tragedy. Jesus at the shore to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to tell the good news, and they beg him to leave. How many lives go unchanged because they ask him to leave? Because Jesus leaves. He's not gonna stay where he's not welcome. Let that sink in. Jesus is not going to stay where he's not welcome. How many sick went unhealed? I mean, this is an an area with probably quite a few sick people, and how many of those were like, what, wait, this could have happened? Wait, we told him to leave? How many captives went unreleased? How many people that were bound by addictions or literally bound like this man? Or how many people that could have been set free from their old lives and they're not? Because these people were afraid and they valued these pigs more They value their lifestyle or they value just, hey, don't rock the boat. Don't be different. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to shake everything up. Like, that's just too scary for us. Whatever it was, they valued that more than Jesus' coming to change them, to make complete and whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole souls. Because this man who's sitting at Jesus' feet is one of those people. This man stays at Jesus' feet. He has every—you know—he's playing those games in his head. Ah, uh, this—should uh, I, should I do this? Should I do that? I want to encourage us with worship, and worship is not singing. You know that, right? Singing follows underneath worship, but worship does not follow underneath singing. Worship is where we come to Jesus and we take a posture of submission. And we put him in control. We sit at his feet and we say, you're the teacher, you're the boss, you're in control. When you have your own boss and your boss says, you know what, I need you here at 9 a.m. You know, I'm not really into that. 9 a.m. is a little too early. I'm kind of a sleeper. Yeah, this is an office space. You're not going to get a raise. They're not going to move you up. He's like, What? Like you just know the way things are. And yet with Jesus, we seem to approach him in a different way. Even in our corporate worship places, and trust me, branches isn't the only place where this happens. I think it's a white person thing. We just don't like, we like to do things the way let's just be like this. We like our we like our power poses. Really? Talk to me, Pastor Guy. And I'll see if I want to hear the word or not. Oh I love you, Lord. And I lift my hands to work. Like, we, it's this sense of, well, I can't let go. I, can't, I have to stay in control. And what if, what if you made a decision to take a posture that you knew would affect your soul? Not just in scene, although I do want to address that. And we talk about this at Branches, we want this to be a culture of worship. Now, that doesn't mean when someone raises their hands, you're supposed to raise your hands. It doesn't mean when we say, everybody stand up, please, that, oh, well, then I have to stand up. I can't sit down. No, it means for you not to care what anybody else thinks, but come to God and let him be the only audience you care about. That's what we're striving for, because you're going to leave here this morning, and you're going to walk out into that world, and the reality is we care what other people think. But when you follow Christ, you have to make a decision that you will fight for the rest of your life to not care what other people think. You will make a decision to love them, but not to please them. And these are two verses that I love to hold on to. Uh, One's from 1 Thessalonians 2.4. And Paul says this to the church at Thessalonica. He goes, we're not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. God is the one who tests our hearts. And this is one that I have framed. I have it from college it's gotten ripped up a few times, so Steph's made a couple new ones for our kids. Because I want them, as I know the fight that they have to deal with every day to deal with people's human approval, I want them to seek God's approval. I want them to have that freedom, even over our approval. And I tell them that. like, You're not here to please your parents. You need to seek God. And this is Galatians 1.10. Am I not trying to win human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. This man who is now seated at the feet of Jesus has chosen to be a servant of Christ. This is my question for you today. Are you ready to make a decision to live differently? Because when you come before the Lord, you cannot come in a power pose. In a power posture. That's not the way it works. Because then you're not really following him. You're not really going where he wants you to go. You're kind of just a fan of his. And Jesus is not interested in fans. He's interested in giving us that ability to be whole and complete. And we're only whole and complete when we come underneath him and trust him completely I mean, this man is making some big decisions. The woman that we looked at last week who came before Jesus as a prostitute has given up this livelihood and she's got to deal with all the people in the community now because she's choosing a new life. When you choose a new life, you choose to live differently, the way Christ would have you live. And these people knew when they came to him that things were going to have to change. Jesus let this man come to him as he was. But this man knew that he needed to change. The woman knew that she needed to change. The woman that had been bleeding for years, she knew she now needed to change. She's no longer a beggar now. Now she's someone with answers and she's got to share that. And so this man is at this point and all of them are there and they want Jesus to leave and this is what the man says. I can't remember if I put the scripture up there. Hopefully it's up there. But the man asks to stay. Verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged Jesus, let me go with you. He's taking a position of complete humility, begging. Like, let me go with you. What does that position look like? Can you show him the picture of the woman begging? I didn't plan on showing this, but this is a posture of probably what it looked like for him. He wasn't holding out something going, give me money. But he's like, let me go. He's begging. This is what begging looks like, right? When you're begging, you don't go, hey, hook me up. That's not, that's not a position of humility. He's begging. The man from the demons had gone out begged Jesus, let me go with you. But Jesus sent him away. How many of you, when you think you're going to follow Christ, go, okay, now I need to become a pastor. I need to work with youth. Or I need to go live in a different country. Or I've got to go do something like that. Because that's what happens. This man is basically saying something like that. Hey, let me go where you're going. Which sounds really good for him, right? Because going back with these other people, I've got to go back into that community. They're going to go, oh, there's the naked guy. Like, I've got to deal with that for the rest of my life. Like, he gets a clean slate. And he gets to follow Jesus and stay close with him. And yet, Jesus says this, verse 39, go back home. Wait, what? Don't you want people like me to go with you? Isn't that the whole point? No. You see, because even though this man isn't going to go where Jesus is going physically, he's still going to be following Jesus because Jesus says this, go back home and tell what God has done for you. Do you realize what he's asking this man to do? All the people that came out, that actually sent him out into the cemetery area where the pigs hang out, those people. He's saying, now go back to them. Do you think he's pumped up on that idea? Do you think he's fired up on that? But that's the guy that needs to go back because that's God's plan for him to go back. Not what he wants to do, but something really good is going to happen from that because that's what God does. And so he makes a decision to go back. The man went through the town telling what Jesus had done for him. That's a man who doesn't care what other people think. At this moment, he's worshiping. Now, let's understand how this works. I don't know how, if he did this awkwardly, I don't know if he started going door to door, or I don't know if he just started living his life, and as people asked, hey, what's going on? If he told them, hey, well, this is what happened. Or if people just started coming to him, hey, I heard something freaky happen with Jesus. Tell me about it. Because the leaders were the ones that spoke out there that said, Jesus, be out of here. But what did everybody else say? You see, they sent Jesus out, but this man comes back. This man is a light in this world. This man is a a lamp who's not going to be hidden, but set up. This is a man who is salt to preserve this community. And he maintains his saltiness. We don't know how he did it, but he did it with the intention of obeying Jesus And he did it out of love for these people to say, hey, look, this is what Jesus did for me. This is what happened. That's a man who's following Jesus. That's a man who changed his life. I mean, look at the two different people. If you had a picture of them side by side, you wouldn't even be able to recognize them. And if you looked at the way they lived their life, you would not be able to recognize this man before and now. Are you recognizable? Or are you the same? Because our posture, our lifestyle, our decisions have to change when we come before Christ. And what would that look like? What would that look like if when we were together, we didn't care what everybody thought, but we just came before the Lord? What if when we were outside, we didn't care? I got a picture of what that looks like. Because when you have kids, sometimes they just do what they want to do. And um, I'm driving, and I'm not a big fan of Christian radio stations just because I, I have nothing wrong with it for other people to listen to it, but I just have a hard time with certain ones. I just get the eebie And But my son, Zeke, said, hey, this station 92.7, Lola was listening to it, Grandma, and it's pretty cool. Can you put it on there? What are you going to say when your kid says, hey, can you put on the Christian music radio station? No! 91.1! Woo! No. So I put it on, and it was good. Like it was like music, it just, it maybe it was my attitude, maybe it was my posture, maybe it's because he asked me, but so I've been leaving it on, I'm like, this is good, this is good music that's Christ honoring, and it doesn't feel like it's produced or performed, I mean, maybe it is, it doesn't matter, but my approach is different. And so I'm driving one day, and my my little seven-year-old daughter's in the back, and this one song hits a a stage where it's like hallelujah uh, over and over again, and I look in the rearview mirror, and my daughter has her arms up. And I can't see her face because the way its I just see her arms. And I was like, I know it sounds weird, but I'm like, where'd she learn that? <laughs> she goes to branches. Um, so I'm, I'm driving, and I'm looking at that, and it was so beautiful that I just started tearing up because I thought of this little girl that wasn't doing it for anybody else, didn't know anybody could see her, but this moved her to want to worship God because it wasn't like she goes, oh, I did great on my test today, Like she had her arms up in this victory pose and her chin was up. I could see her head kind of lifted and I was like, what is going on? This was natural. And here's the bummer. I knew not to turn around because I've done this before where she's done something I thought was really cool and I turn around and then she gets all embarrassed and shrinks up into the low power pose. And I just said, I'm not, I don't want this moment to be interrupted. But more importantly, I want her to grow up to not give a crap of what anybody else thinks, but for her to dance and worship as if no one else was looking and do it before the Lord and to live her life that way. When everybody's going one way, she just goes, I don't really care what you think. I want her to grow with that kind of strength. That was a moment I just wanted to soak up, but it also reminded me, no, I've got to continually encourage her to be strong and to live not for the approval of man, but for the approval of God. What would it look like for all of our kids to live that way? All of our youth to live that way? What if all of the adults live that way? That's our calling. That's what happens when we make a decision. A decision to say, you know what, Lord? My life's going to be different now because I follow you. I will love other people, but I'm not going to try to earn their approval or please them because it'll take you in a direction away from him. So I want to pray for us. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we do this all the time and this is why we do it, we ask you to stand because it's easier to start standing if that's where you want to go. And if you want to sit, it's very easy to sit down. So if you could all please stand, knowing what we just talked about. But during this time of worship, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. And not just this morning, but from here on out, even if you're just visiting, wherever you go, wherever you're at, When you go home, when you drive home, when you work tomorrow, when you're with your family, when you're with your uncle, live for the Lord. Father, we ask, we ask that you would set us free. Give us the freedom and the strength and the courage to come before you, to let our bodies affect our souls. And Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I ask that uh, you would reveal yourself to them and give them the opportunity for this new life. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.